Our gospel reading for this morning comes from John chapter 14. Jesus said to the disciples, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many dwelling places. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, so that where I am, there you may be also, and you know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, you will know my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father and we will be satisfied. Jesus said to him, have I been with you all this time, Philip, and you still do not know me? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you I do not speak on my own, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, but if you do not, then believe me because of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do, and in fact will do greater works than these, because I am going to the Father. I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son." If you, in my name, ask me for anything, I will do it. Please be seated. So, our, our little children's moment is going to come a little later in the service this morning. We're celebrating the baptisms of Cameron and Andy Fritches. And uh, when we come to the baptism a little later in the service, we're going to invite all the kids up to, to join us for that. So let us pray. Gracious God, we thank you for this beautiful morning, for the light and new life that springs forth all around us. Let it be a reminder for us of the new life that springs forth in you, the goodness and the grace and the mercy and the beauty that come from you. Open your word to us now that we may follow you in faith. In Jesus' name, amen. Stones. Stones figure prominently in our readings for this morning, for better and for worse. In Psalm 31, the psalmist sings to God, saying, Be my strong rock, a castle to keep me safe, for you are my crag and my stronghold. In our first reading from Acts, we hear about Stephen, who was a deacon and one of the first leaders in the church recruited to help the disciples. Stephen was a powerful preacher, so powerful that, did you notice, the mob that had to cover their ears so they could not hear him preaching so they wouldn't be converted. And they dragged him out of the city and stoned him to death. And Stephen became the first Christian martyr. In our second reading, Peter was writing to a ragtag bunch of new Christians, people who had been displaced and dispossessed in every possible way spiritually, religiously, socially, economically, and politically. And to this diverse and struggling group, he says, come to Jesus as living stones, precious in God's sight. And like living stones, let yourself be built into a spiritual house. It is for Peter an image of holy community. There's a great contrast between these two readings. The story of Stephen shows us that 
A single stone has the potential to do great harm. It can be even used as a weapon. However, as Peter writes, many stones together can build a house, even a dwelling place for God. I love that image of living stones. It sounds like a great combination. Stone meaning solid and reliable and durable, and living meaning growing and changing and flexible and adaptable. To be a living stone is to be solid and reliable and yet still growing and changing. And what better material could there be for God's church? What better material could there be for building our lives? When we become too rigid, we shatter and we break. When we flex and change too much, we weaken and dissolve. But living stones provide both stability and flexible change for our growth. And that is the constant dance of being God's people, the church. We are rooted in history, tradition, and the Bible, and yet we adapt and strive to be relevant, to speak the gospel in our time. We begin and or renew missions and ministries as new needs arise and gifts are given. Faithful yet changing, we are a community of living stones with Jesus as the cornerstone which we are built upon and around. And Peter takes us further. This passage about living stones is part of a larger section of Peter's letter, which is sometimes known as the household code. It is guidance for how Christians tend to our relationships in the church, the household of God, and even in our own homes. Now, it's also a very problematic piece of Scripture because it is a household code for the first century. And it goes on to say that slaves ought to be subject to their masters, which was used to justify slavery. It says that wives should be subject to their husbands, which has been used to justify the oppression of women. And it says that everyone should be subject to the powers that be, which has led to complicity in terrible things. But in the midst of all that lost in that shuffle, Peter says this, all of you have unity of spirit sympathy, love of one another, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil, but repay with a blessing. Families, even God's families, are messy, but we work together, we pray, we live together in the unity of spirit, not always ideas or opinions, but spirit, with sympathy, love, with tender and not hard hearts, and with great humility. I read this week that in the Holy Land, there is a small ancient house next to a third century synagogue in the town of Capernaum, a place where Jesus once walked. And the house was built of small stones, and it appeared that there was no mortar holding them together. And these were called living stones because they were rubbed together until they fit perfectly. And perhaps in the church made of living stones, friction is actually purposeful. As we rub up against one another, we learn what real love is, what real community is, and we are able to grow and change and fit together in ways that are sturdy and strong. I've been thinking a lot about these precious living stones that make up our church community. And You know, last Sunday, we had the Choral Scholars concert here in the afternoon, and we had the opportunity to see the person who is the longest tenured member of our church, Ruth Maxim, who is 98 years old. Ruth was born and baptized into our church, which means her story with UDLC began around 1925. 
before the Great Depression, before World War II. And mornings are tough for Ruth, and she lives at a distance, so she watches our worship on the live stream. Hi, Ruth. Say hi to Ruth. Hi, Ruth. Hi, Ruth. Amazing, right? But, uh, so mornings are not easy, but she's able to come in the afternoon. And so there she was in that pouring rain last Sunday afternoon, making her way to church, coming at the walk, her hair all wet, but looking amazing for 98. And it was just like a celebrity had walked in the door because it was such a blessing to be around her, such an inspiration just to be near her, someone who has lived almost a century in this church. And I think of other saints of our church, people like Bruce Wechter and Adele Veal, and how fortunate we are to have them in our midst and how we should soak up every moment with them. I think of the strength and the comfort that their presence brings. I think of Kari Beck, who isn't here today because she's celebrating her birthday at Disney, but Kari is one of the most enthusiastic people I have ever met about everything and especially her church. Kari's enthusiasm about church lifts me up and makes me even happier to be at church. She reminds me of the joy that comes with being God's people together. And I think of Libby Steffens, who is away this weekend visiting family so I can talk about her. And I think about her 40 years of love and ministry to this church, which we'll celebrate on her retirement party June 11th. Mark your calendars. And the updates to the multi-purpose room, which we are naming after her and Arnie, are underway, so check them out after church. I think of the families who will be joining our church in a couple weeks, and I think about the soon-to-be newest members of our church, Cameron and Andy, who will be baptized today, and all the newly baptized, which we seem to be baptizing two by two lately in these days. They remind us, and those moments remind us that we too have been named and claimed as beloved children of God. I always say that the church is a miracle because God takes all of us and builds us into something we could have never imagined, something remarkable and beautiful and powerful and unexpected and hopeful. God takes us as living stones and builds us together into a spiritual house. Sometimes when we think of coming to church, We tend to think of going to church as something that we do for ourselves, to come and hear the good news, to refocus and recenter, to take a rare moment of quiet during our week, and to be reminded of God's goodness in a world that can be so tough and to grow in our faith. For some, coming to worship is a practice that they do for God out of gratitude and dedication for all that God has done for them, and all of that is good and true. But what I see looking out at the congregation is what your presence means to each other. I see the encouragement that comes from seeing other people in our pews, people who have been faithful and constant through many decades, people who are new to our church or new to faith, both young and old. Your presence here, while good for you, does even more good for the people who are sitting and singing and praying next to you. Your very presence inspires and strengthens faith in others in ways that you cannot imagine. It lets people know that they're not alone, that they belong, that they're loved, that we all struggle at times, but God is faithful, and that they too are part of the people of God and the family of God built on this cornerstone of Jesus and his death and resurrection. 
As Peter writes, once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And again, he says, come to him like living stones, though rejected by mortals, yet chosen and precious in God's sight. And like living stones, let yourselves be built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Christ. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own people, in order that you may proclaim the mighty acts of him who has called you out of the darkness and into his marvelous light. Amen.